0: Your birthday in nineteen ninety five, I had bought two CDs: the Friends soundtrack and Sponge. And the Friends soundtrack was supposed to be your gift, but then I gave you the Sponge disc.
1: I don't. It's it's one that I, I don't think I have anymore.
0: Oh, that hurts because I know where you got
1: it. I'm sorry.
0: Imagine if that was all you got, and you're like, "This is this is getting older." <laughs> Me getting an album with the title "Rotting" in the title. And then, would you have thought that that more than twice that again, some dickhole would be bringing up, hey, remember the time I spent $16 on you at Tower Records (laughs) for an album I didn't want? (laughs) Haven't gotten you the album I thought you would want, and then keeping that and giving you the other album? (laughs) Hey, everyone ever, and welcome to 20th Century Pop, the show where we try to understand the present, well, living in the past, my name is Tim Blevins.
1: And I am Bob Canning. And Tim, I have a, a question for you.
0: I am ready for
1: a question. Why Wilco? What? I had asked you earlier before oh. we officially started the show, you would you would referred to uh, an album that we're about to talk about as Wilco-like, I guess. And I was just curious, why Wilco? You're
0: not curious to why I also pretended it was not Tesla? Not Radiohead, and not Billy Bragg.
1: I would love to know all of those things.
0: Oh well, um, I mean that kind of gets us right uh, into the episode,
1: which is something I always love to do.
0: You like to get right into it? Well, right we're talking. Who doesn't want to get right into Wilco? Because, <laughs> uh, uh, well, what? Why don't we? Uh, why don't we just to be clear? Did you introduce yourself? You did. right? I did.
1: I said Prior. my name.
0: You did. Okay. I did. Bob and Wilco
1: Canning. Canning.
0: Yep. The Wilco Box is where you'll get your tickets to, to uh, tonight's <laughs> train show. And they don't sound like train. This band doesn't sound like train. Um, but what are we? Yeah. But we're, you're asking me why
1: did I call a particular band Wilco? When yeah, what is but the I'm getting to get a sense. You've kind of answered it. I'm getting a sense of why you've done this.
0: I've answered it. All, all I've done is rattle off other bands from the late 90s and also Train. I don't know when Train hit the uh,
1: airwaves. <laughs> I was pretty hit sure that the was the 90s as well. Was
0: it? Yeah. Soul
1: Sister? Is that Train? Uh, hey, Soul Sister. I, I, I can't think of, like, all I can think of is... Hey, Soul Sister. I that think song? that's Train. Drops of Jupiter, right? Isn't that Train?
0: If 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 they don't sing don't Hey Soul Sister, then I don't know any songs by Train. Also, since 2004, this is the most I've talked about Train. So maybe they are a band from the 90s. But the band we're talking about, uh, the band we're actually going to focus on, Space Hog, had an <laughs> album. Correct? <laughs> we're
1: talking about uh, my favorite band. This is my favorite band. Which apparently sounds like all the other bands out there, but it's my favorite band. It's Travis.
0: Is your favorite band, and you think that I'm saying Travis sounds like every other band out there? When we just established, it does not sound like Train.
1: That's a 2000s band. I'm getting a sense that that's your opinion. Yes. Well,
0: I I, I don't think that's entirely true. Okay. Um, there, you know, um, was it the Presidents of the United States? They sound different.
1: The Spin Doctors sound different but presidents of the united states and spin doctors kind of sound alike. Yeah, they're both pretty bad.
0: But um <laughs> but something that's good enough for a topic on this show. And you I mean you asked me at the start, why do I keep calling it Wilco? And this isn't a judgment on the band. A lot of things in tonight's episode will be <laughs> okay. but this next sentence is not. I don't know anyone else who is a fan of Travis, the band Travis from England, Scotland, uh, from Scotland. Scotland, okay. I only ever heard of them from you, and yet I can't place what they sound like. So, like, what we're doing tonight, we're talking about um, an album that's 21 years old, right?
1: Um, Yes, indeed, from 1999. Called? The Man Who. That is a terrible Scottish accent.
0: That, well, it was, I didn't know about that. It was the second two words, but it was... <laughs> We won't say it was terrible. What is it called? The Man Who. The Man Who. Okay. I'm just guessing in your experience, people don't normally get these two confused.
1: Wilco and Travis? Yes. No, I haven't seen that happen that often.
0: You're hearing it happen right now.
1: Wilco is the much more popular band.
0: Okay. But Travis is more meaningful to you. How, how did you first hear about Travis?
1: Um, my, my first encounter with Travis was actually at a concert. The first time I heard them was live. You were at a live concert. Yeah, I was. Um, I, I went see and
0: saw <laughs> not that concert. No,
1: no, no. I, can't like
0: a rock.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I went and saw Ben Folds Five, and they were opening for Ben Folds Five, and I very much enjoyed their songs and their set. And uh, I, I was in LA at the time. Um, And then I had to move back home for a bit. And Travis just wasn't playing on the radio. It certainly wasn't playing on the radio in upstate New York. And um, that Christmas, uh, friends of mine that I had left in L.A., they sent me the Travis album. They had purchased it, sent it to me. And I love their their first album uh, called Good Feeling. Um, And then very much anticipated their second album. I was actually seeking out information, trying to find out when they would release new songs. Um, so, uh, the second album came out, yeah, in, in 99 here in the U.S., but I'd actually picked it up earlier in the year, um, because I picked up the import, uh, copy when we were living, cause I was living with you by that time in Boston and had access to such things.
0: Is it also your favorite, um, have to check my notes, Travis out?
1: <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, it's, it's definitely my favorite Travis album, um, though there's close second and close thirds. But yeah, this one's definitely my favorite.
0: Is the Benz your second favorite?
1: No, sir. Come on, man.
0: Why don't we I'm I do want to hear what you (laughs) have to say. Because again, this is something that is very particular to you. Something that as a band I think if I think of you, and yes, going into listening to it, I did not know what to
1: expect or what it would sound like. That's probably for the best, I would think. Because you don't have these preconceived notions, or maybe you did have a preconceived notion, but it was for an alternate sound. And then you hopefully were uh, uh, surprised by what you heard and and enjoyed it, but I know you didn't. So I
0: want to correct you partially. I was very surprised that this was not Buffalo Tom. (laughs) Uh, Well, let's. The first track on this album, Writing to Reach You, um, which I felt very much had the vibe. I think musically of what I would have been listening to in the mid nineties. Like it is, it was kind of Beatles harmony, whatever. Um, I've never heard this song as it started. I, I, I was getting into the song and then I heard his voice. Okay. And I know I keep comparing them to other bands, but his voice is very, uh, very Radiohead to me.
1: Okay. Is that, Problematic. It is They're for little, me. I'm not a, a big of fan of radio. Sounds
0: similar to other voices, but it's making me think of Radiohead, and I'm not a fan of okay. Radiohead. So I.
1: Well, it's it's not shocking that you had that thought. Um, a lot of folks back then, and probably even now, often refer to Travis as Radiohead Light, um, and it's it. I don't know if you know uh, Nigel Godrich, but he produced a lot of the famous. Radiohead albums, and he produces The Man Who.
0: That's not going to make so, someone's voice sound like the other band, yeah, is but
1: it? Yeah, the, the production quality, there could be some. So, yeah, your voice is your voice, but just the tones that Nigel maybe put on the Radiohead records and, and possibly integrated into The Man Who um, kind of can make that similarity easier to track.
0: Do you think it's worth tracking? Like, do you believe that? Or do you think it's more an easy way out? Like, it's very easy for me to say, oh, this sounds like Radiohead. I don't like it for the first song. Sure. I think
1: that's I think it's an easy way out. Do you agree with
0: it? Do you think they sound like Radiohead?
1: I think. Yeah. I mean, I think there is a, a Radiohead-ness to it. Um, but I think as we get into the album, I think it's a completely different thing than what Radiohead does. What are they doing on this
0: song? Because I have some thoughts, but you like it. So I'd like to hear what, what uh, like, do you like this song?
1: I like this song, and I'm going to say this kind of in general for the album. I think the, this song and the album as a whole is just this sweet, melodic, acoustic, melancholy with some stabs at, you know, a little harder edge here and there. Uh, just this beautiful, beautiful album. And this is a beautiful song. Um, sincere. I always talk, talk to people about Travis, is that they're a sincere band. Like, they're, you know, some people say they're overly sappy. I can see that, but I think they're just sincere. That's how I describe them. Which probably isn't really a, an exciting way to describe a band, but... A lot of what
0: you're describing, I can, I can get... Behind, I can think about like the music is a lot of these yeah. things. And I'm forgetting every word you just said, but while you were saying that, boy, I was right on that page with you. <laughs> what you're not commenting on, and I think it's telling, not in a bad way. I think, I think we'll get into that. This might be how you listen to music. You're not talking about the lyrics. I mean, I guess you are, if you're saying they're sincere, you yeah, think the lyrics I talk are about sincere. The lyrics.
1: This is, this is, yeah, this is, a uh, um, uh, I, I used to interpret this as, Fran Healy, who's the lead singer uh, and and main uh, songwriter and lyricist, I always used to initially interpret this as, as him singing to the listener as he is writing to reach us. He is just trying to come up with a melody and come up with a song and come up with some lyrics that will reach you, that will touch you, that could change you, that could teach you about yourself. Um... And I don't think he's doing it in an overly important, I'm so special, but more like, this is just what I want to do. I want to write. I want put, to put pen to paper and put melody to these words. And maybe I'll connect with somebody. I'm writing to reach you.
0: See, I I think he was showy with it. That was the thing. This I like the music in this song very much. But with the lyrics, there's a the whole thing about teach you, I think is a line or part of a line in that. And it just seemed to be that whole, and again, it makes sense because of the, of the era, but we've talked about before this like 90s single guy thing of you're mine or I'll get you to be mine. And that's that's what this felt like. And with you saying it's about him writing a song, it's like he's letting us in on that process. I'm writing this to reach you. That's why I'm doing this.
1: Yeah. I think that's that's how I initially uh, took it. I have over these past decades um, learned more about the song and and heard it in different ways. I think it's not a anymore. I don't think it's a um broad um, description of what he's doing in this song to reach the listener. I think it is more personal trying to reach a particular person I think the song is about. Another person, um, and I think it's—I think it's a relationship song now, and I think that he is exactly as you described it, trying to be that guy that wins the girl over and betters her. But I think he acknowledges that that's not possible because that's not who you are.
0: Does he say that in the song? Because I didn't hear that last part. You said I yeah, heard you say it. I didn't hear
1: it in the song. It's down in there. Um, I'm trying to. I'm looking at the lyrics now uh, I only want to reach you I want to teach you about you but that's not you and you know it's true but that won't do and you know it's you I'm talking to so the last line is is that
0: Millie vanilla you're
1: quoting <laughs> no so I think at the end I think at the end of the song he's just acknowledging that 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 me trying to do this isn't working and should and, and shouldn't work because that's not who you are you
0: didn't hear that part in 1999.
1: Did no, you? no, not 1990. Uh 1999. I I really thought he was just singing to the listener.
0: Because it sounded like um who's the lead singer of Radiohead? Fran Healy. Uh, Tom York. Tom York. It sounded like Tom York's voice to me. And I just right off the bat really felt like it was a possessive I want to date you song. You're saying it's not. So maybe
1: No, no, no. No, no. I think it I think it is. But you're you're, you're it making them
0: out to be very mature with that. I'm like, I what were they in their 20s at this point in 1999? They're probably in their
1: mid-20s. Are you the same age as this band? Yeah, I think they're mid-20s. Um, they were just out of college when their first album came out, and this is about three, four years later.
0: Yeah, who in their mid-20s writes a song acknowledging that they're wrong in wanting someone? Yeah. And you're saying that Wilco did it. <laughs> Travis. I'm saying Travis. That one was actually accidental. I'm sorry. Travis the did. other ones were very, very manipulated. But it's just, it's all in your head now. No, it's all in my notes. I have each band listed to pretend I thought it was, but that one came out accurately. Um, do you think this, as an opening song, is a good representation of what follows? Is this setting up the band, a good way to set up the band for to someone?
1: Yeah, I think so. I think musically it does... Set set it up. It sounds a lot like uh, what this album is going to sound like and what they as a band sound like I think lyrically um, just how it's open and honest and and uh, um, direct I think is is what they do with a lot of their lyrics. So yeah, I think it's a good sound. You do.
0: So going into the song as track two is called the fear. um, I felt like this sounded really different. Than the previous song, and also, also before you say anything, is that a computer's fart at the start of it?
1: <laughs> well, it's definitely some sort of technology noise. Yeah,
0: yeah, that's weird. That that is very Radiohead, but that's not in the first track. This yeah, this song, I, I just seemed very jarring compared to the previous song.
1: I, I think it's meant
0: to be. But this could be a David Bowie song. But now I'm thinking uh, it could be a David Bowie okay. Tin Machine
1: song. Okay. So
0: you like it then? Um, I don't think I do like this
1: song. I And what what threw you off of this one?
0: Well, I was trying to, The Fear, it's called The Fear, and then I just, am listening to it, because I'm going to the lyrics in this, because that's the part, like, I don't mind the music, I can get behind the music, and even though they sounded different to me, I still liked the jangly guitar in this, but I don't know what The Fear exactly is that he's singing about. I'm assuming it's relationship-based. It might be the unease of, you know, a relationship reaching... Some stagnant point or something, but it just. Tim, you got the song. That's that's what it is. That's how I've always interpreted it. Yeah. Then he's then this is a sleazy guy though. Sleed <laughs> singer is
1: a jerk because he. You, you take that as 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 sleazy that he's afraid that his relationship is coming to an end. He he says I would like to see you in the morning. That sounds like a sleazy line. The way he sings it. You think it sounds like a sleazy song? The way Fran Healy is the furthest thing from sleazy. This is the furthest thing from, from sleazy? Well, I, I'm Fran Healy, the lead singer of Travis. Fran is Sleazy.
0: Furthest, I think. Is far from sleazy?
1: Far from sleazy. I I took that as just a sweet sentiment. I've always took it that way. Um, where he's like, I, I want to see you rolling over just to see you there. Would make it easy for a little bit longer. Like again, he's adding. I, I kind of sense this make is going to end. Make it easy
0: for a little bit longer. Yeah, that's
1: not committed to anything. No, I think I I think he feels like it is going to end, because um, he says, "Feel it closer every year." Uh The fear is becoming clear. The fear is here. The fear that this is going to end. This relationship is going to end. And what he's saying in the first uh opening lines is, "I would like to." not have it end I'd like to see you in the morning roll over and see you there and it would make things easy for a little bit longer if you were still there it would be good I don't see how that's sleazy i i, I don't think i was i
0: was catching all that were you in a relationship when you first heard this song
1: um i was in a weird rela- a weird place in a relationship i was in in flux, there were a couple of relationships going on. Actually, it was a little weird. Man,
0: where was I uh, with I this a, album and your fine and progressive acceptance of polygamy going on? I missed both of those, and you must have had <laughs> no, a poster uh, for at least one of them up in your bedroom. I can give
1: you the short, the short version of it. As it had, relates to
0: the song, we don't have to get. As too it
1: relates to the song, I had a I had a, a, a long time girlfriend from high school, my high school sweetheart, on and off, and we had kind of gotten back on again. And then I went away for a while to film a movie that you might have seen and probably only you has seen. Uh, And then during that filming, hung out with some new people and met someone and and we kind of connected. And so after the filming, which is when I was back in in Boston and listening to this album, I was kind of cutting things off with the old girlfriend. And I knew this other relationship wasn't going to work out. But the fact that there was just this other thing happening made me realize that the this girlfriend I'd been holding on to for years back from high school just we that was like I wasn't holding on to her for her it was more this idea of having a high school uh, sweetheart of having a girlfriend of having a relationship and I just sort of came into my own a little bit and realized there's more out in the world I'm holding her back she's holding me back and Kind of progressed from there, so so there was a lot of flux going on.
0: That's far more insightful than
1: the song "The Fear." <laughs> I don't agree. I think the song "The Fear" is pretty insightful about a relationship ending. It's Fran's relationship ending, so he's going to sing about it his way. Um,
0: Franz Wilco
1: of the band Travis. <laughs> yep, is one of their names. Travis. Where does the no Travis? Um, I can't remember the book, but it the band is named after a character um from a book or a movie oh okay um named travis uh, but no it's it's fran and andy and dougie and neil
0: <laughs> are their names i am running through <laughs> band names in my head to add to that but i'm not going to because we should keep moving i did so th- these first two no. songs definitely had a place with where you were going in your life at the time?
1: In my life? Oh, yeah. The, the whole album does. Um, there was a bit of melancholy because a long-term relationship was ending. There's a bit of excitement because I was seeing new possibilities. Um, so, yeah, it's it's the album itself was a driving, driving soundtrack to that time of, of my life. But that excitement's
0: sure. not in this song, the fear. There's no excitement. There's a computer fart and there's jets at the end.
1: Everyone can interpret songs a different way. It affects them differently on when they're hearing it, who they're hearing it with, how old they are, what their experiences are. They're going to hear things differently. They're going to hear key phrases and fill in the blanks on the stuff they can't figure out and then have their own interpretation of the song. Then if you read the lyrics, you're like, wow, I was way off. We've, we've had those conversations. Do you like having um, those conversations outside of the yeah. podcast? Uh, yeah, yeah. You do? Sure, if, if it's a, a mutual um, band, I've I've talked about Travis and Oasis and uh, Ben Fultz 5. But like, uh, do you like
0: talking to someone who isn't getting something out of the song? Like, like I know you're <laughs> doing it right now. That's what I'm saying outside of the podcast. And we're, we should keep going because there are only two tracks in. And oh unfortunately, there's a bunch more to get through.
1: We're going to have to rush through this. Only eight. Only eight more to go. It's only eight more. Well, nine. Nine.
0: Well. I don't know how much of track nine we'll (laughs) discuss, but track three, As You Are, if I had randomly heard this in the background of your room (laughs) when we were living together, this is actually the song where I would have thought, this is the Radiohead song I like. It also (laughs) kind of sounds like that I'd like to teach the world to sing song.
1: Um, Yeah, I don't know. But okay. Okay. But you liked it. So you say you like this one.
0: Uh, I would have liked it as a Radiohead song. No, I, it was okay. <laughs> I mean, it, it felt, I think what it was, it, this felt familiar. Right? This may be because of whatever I was going into this album for. This felt like, okay, this would end up on a mixtape. You know, this is the kind of thing you put on the tape for the person you like.
1: And wh- why? Why? What did you like about it? What stood out?
0: I, see, that's the thing. I don't know if I liked it. It just stood out because I got it. I got what I would use it for at age 24 and maybe that's what part of this is this is an album that for me and how I'm approaching it I'm like oh this is me at 24 sort of because this sure. song has a line I'm not like all the other boys kind of thing Yeah, and and it's you know it's it's trying to win over someone's attention by just not being everything else which obviously is what I was doing as a contrarian who didn't have an identity or if I did it wasn't fully formed so I'm listening to it and I'm relating to that but I don't think I like that I don't know. Like do you like this song? Did this wind up on mixtapes of yours?
1: Oh yeah, yeah. This is one of the more popular tracks um off this album. In your house? Um in in my house. It would be something if if I had to pick a song to play. You you asked if, if the first song was a good representation and I I think it is, but I think this is a better representation oh, you do? of the band. So yeah.
0: what is it what is it doing? What how how is this presenting the band? How you know it?
1: um it's got it's got that soft, sweet melancholy melody uh, at the beginning then it has a harder edge uh later um in the chorus. It's got a bit of a uh I wouldn't call it thrashing, but it's a heavier guitar solo. Travis is not known for guitar solos. I don't know if you if you notice that, but their guitar solos are pretty much you know just a couple notes repeated over and over again. This one is still just notes repeated over and over again. But with the band backing it, it just builds. It's nice and and energetic and and rousing. This this one encapsulates it.
0: And so you would play this for people. Not your roommate, but people that you were making tapes for.
1: I'm sure if you still had some tapes from that era from me, there are Travis songs on there, and I wouldn't be surprised if this was one of them. Is this your favorite song on the album? Uh, no. It is not. It's like third, maybe. Third or fourth.
0: Is track four, Driftwood, your favorite song on the album?
1: It's not my favorite, but it's like second or third. It's top five. It's right up there. It seems like you don't don't care for it.
0: Actually, this was the first track I really liked. (laughs) I mean, it feels like in 90s indie movie gold, you know? Yeah. If the indie movie is Chasing Amy or Empire Records. Like musically or lyrically or both? I'm going to say I have to say musically because lyrically... (laughs) Calling someone driftwood is an insult.
1: It's it's an insult song, sir. Oh, it is. I I've always seen it as that. I I thought this was another romantic song. No, no, no. Now here's something. I don't know if you've pieced this together yet. <laughs> I'm gonna um, say no. But you're gonna say no. the The album, you know, it's not it's not a um, it's not a concept album, but it is written after a breakup. So, or or during and after a breakup, um, from what I've been told and from what I've read. So this is a vocal
0: um, attack on someone.
1: Yeah, I think it is. I think it's trying to be sweet. I think the melody is is gorgeous. I love this the song. I sing along to it every time. Do you like
0: the lyrics um, in the song? Uh, yeah. It felt very rock musical, like in that it always felt like there was one word too many in each.
1: Stanza verse. Well that's that's something I've noticed with Travis songs and I don't know if it's the accent or or just the phraseology of Scotland, but yeah, there's that that happens a few times in, in their songs.
0: Okay. That's true. Maybe it's colloquial or something. I don't know. I I did like this song, but I really wish the words were a little different. And now that you're telling me that the actually is the meaning that I got from it. Yeah, I mean it's nice to have a nice vengeful song, I guess. You know and yeah. you're i brain. mean i love
1: the line i've always loved the line um because he 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 the lyrics are all about floating and drifting and and whatnot
0: and being a dumb log
1: yeah basically um uh, but there's a there's a a refrain where it's um drifting over bridges never to return watching bridges burn like it's very straightforward it's like you were just Ruining everything around you, you're burning bridges, you're destroying relationships by being nothing but this drifting log. See, I wish I had this
0: song then, back back then, I would have made good use of that. I think. So yeah, I like that song. We'll say I like that song.
1: All right, we got one. We have one, um, which one and a half. Any any, t- I'm gonna say. Well, there's probably more than that because I think if if uh, if he wasn't sounding so much like Tom York, I think you enjoy the the melodies. To the previous songs?
0: I enjoy the melodies. Perhaps. I don't enjoy the lyrics and I don't enjoy Tom York. <laughs> okay. Um, I'm also going to guess that um, if you had to guess, you know, what song I don't like because I find it to be the most pretentious on the album, at least by title, it would be track number five.
1: The Last Laugh of the Laughter. Can you say that again? The Last Laugh of... Of the laughter. That's the title.
0: Yeah. That's the chorus. And that's awful. It, it, you think so? It doesn't make sense. It's too many L's.
1: You may not be surprised that this is probably my least favorite song in the Oh, life. thank God.
0: Because the sentence I just <laughs> said I felt was very cruel. This this is bad. The music is okay, but- I don't
1: think it's bad.
0: Um, what's the laughter of this song? Is it like the sickness- No,
1: I think laughter is joy.
0: Last laugh. I think this is again about an ending. This is too. What was that?
1: I think it's pretty clearly about an ending.
0: I think it's far too clever with his little falsetto voice saying it's the last laugh of the laughter. That that doesn't make sense.
1: It's poetic. It took a drive too. to
0: drive the car
1: and drive. I don't know. I mean, it's just... It's poetic. It's... Uh, yeah, it's sure. The laughter. It's it's the joy of the relationship. Again, it's a, it's a breakup song.
0: Well, I don't know. I feel like maybe it's from Rent. I like Rent, but there <laughs> is a little New Year's Eve sequence I'm not as fond of, and I felt like this, this might have been fit in there. I this. Uh this is this is again the, he sounds like Radiohead and this time he's like Radiohead with a little bit of uh Bare Naked Ladies just to get laid is what it sounded like to me
1: Wow No see I I I see a deeper meaning I see again it's like the the fear from previously he can see that this relationship is coming to an end and the this is the end of the joy this is the last this is the last good time we'll have
0: would you say it's the last laughing time of the laughter they laugh with? I could say that, but
1: it doesn't. It doesn't really go to the the melodies It Doesn't either.
0: roll off the tongue. Did you did you know? And it is a concept. That this is all about breaking up. Because you pointing that out is giving me less ammunition to trash this album. <laughs> did you know that at the time? Like this song, do you remember liking this song back then?
1: Uh, yeah, I liked the whole album back then. Yeah, I remembered um, liking it, and and having this sense that a lot of these songs are about the end of things the loss some poetically some very straightforward i
0: mean that 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 gives the album something more for me to latch onto do you like turn track number 6 is called turn
1: i would say turn is my favorite song on the album this is yeah
0: this this I've track that's not this. from pippin but sounds like it is from pippin this is just so, sort of this I, um kind of i mean this isn't a beat song right
1: yeah it's it's i would say it's rousing it it starts off slow and builds yeah
0: it rhymes balloon with moon sure but i mean this this is a song about kind of striving to be part of the world that's literally what he's saying right to be part of it
1: yeah because because it's like i want to i want to live in a world where i belong yeah
0: was that idea of living where you belong, was that something that you, you that was important to you at 24? Something you, you were looking for or had or or was grasping for?
1: Yeah, for sure you want to
0: find your place.
1: Where you belong, who you belong with, who you are, who you'll be. Yeah. And this, this song, I think, encapsulates that emotion musically. Like, I've always loved it. The, 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 the chorus is basically him singing turn, turn, turn over and over again. Um, in his falsetto, um, or near falsetto. And uh, yeah, it's just moving on, continuing, not not stopping, just turning and moving and going forward.
0: This might be why, or this is why, I don't think this album would have worked for me then. And it's not, <clears throat> this isn't a judgment call on its quality. It's the actual subject matter, because at the time, at 24, I would not have wanted to belong to something. You know, I, I wouldn't have wanted to move forward into something that that I was connected with. I would want to be separate from it. And listening to this, that sentiment, I'm like, this might be why I would have blocked this out. Because I like the music in this song. I don't like the lyrics, but I like the music.
1: It's the opposite of of what you sound like you were at the time, because it is about it's a joyous kind of song, even though there's a lot of unknown in the song, it's still, it's about the possibility and and the joy of that. And it sounds like you were avoiding that. It also doesn't, well, yes, or
0: choosing a different route. I mean, it's, it's also okay to not want to be part of groups, but in terms of the album, this to get back to that, because that way we're not talking about me. And apparently I got very self-conscious there for a moment. Um, this isn't the previous five songs. This contradicts the first half of the album. Oh, you think so?
1: I don't know. From how you're yeah. describing I it mean, I it, do. It's it's the it's the more I can't really say rock, but it's the heavier song uh, on the album, probably the heaviest. Wow.
0: We, we listen to things very differently and this is probably very apparent to all the listeners. And we probably said it before you went right to what the music sounds like. I'm I, and I'm focusing on what I'm perceiving right or wrong. The, 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 the lyrical content to be. I see. And that's not a knock to what you're saying. I'm saying that a lot tonight because it, I'm actually fascinated by that. And I'm wondering, does that change what music we like? Or how we pursue music, or it's still just a matter of taste. But you cause you're talking about this the the, the, the sound of this song is different right. than the rest of the album.
1: Yeah, and you're saying the the lyrical um, themes are different here than the previous tracks. But you're saying the sound of the album <laughs> and, and
0: and the focus on that. Is it jarring? Is it is it odd? Does it feel like a weird place to have this song? No, I think it's the perfect spot for it.
1: Um it's like right in the middle,
0: almost. Start of side two. If they were still making cassettes at this
1: point, yeah. Okay. Um, so yeah, I think it's perfect. I, th- I feel like it's
0: got a lot of sentiment, sentiment to it, sentimentality. Not not in the derogatory way. Just there's, I don't know. It almost felt like a, um, almost like an extreme song. That's a band you like, <laughs> like extreme
1: that's a band. I don't know if the band I like. Oh, okay. That's um, a
0: different sentence. That's a band you had an album
1: of. <laughs> that's a band I had an album of. Um, Yeah. Like it's definitely, it's, it's trying to hard. Um, no, not trying too hard. I, I, I don't think, I don't think they try too hard. Again, I think it's, it's a sincere song. It's them saying, Hey, yeah, there is more out there in the world. And, and if we just keep chugging away, we can find the beauty in it. I, I do, especially the way they present it. The sound of this song is just beautiful to me and, and, and boisterous and building and, 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 uh, uh, rousing, which I think I've said like
0: six times. I it? know I, I had to shift in my seat for the amount of times <laughs> you said it. And I get the build of music. That's something that I understand. But in terms of the content, it's interesting that you like that and you're into that because and that it fits, that it fits on this album because I feel like the very next track, track seven, which is a song I knew, Why Does It Always Rain On Me? It's, it's kind of the opposite of everything that the song we were just talking about, um, Turn, is that what it's called? Mm-hmm. Did we even say what the previous song was called?
1: I think we did. Yeah. Song six was Turn, and now we're, we're saying song seven, Why Does It Always Rain On Me, is the opposite of Turn.
0: Because it's like a dramatic narcissist, this idea of poor me in a song. you know, That's something I can relate to. It would have worked really well for me back then, because it romanticizes the lesser trait of uh, of like, self-pity. I don't, do you still like what, because I think you liked it then.
1: Yeah, I liked it then. Um, and it fit some of my moods back then too. Um, you know, just the self-pity. Uh, you know, the, the, that other relationship that I was talking about didn't work out. Um, the other things weren't working out. Um, so yeah, sh- sure. You're going to have that feeling. And I, I listened to it today and it doesn't have the same effect, but it's got that nostalgia. To it now. Oh, that's that's all it has. (laughs) I mean, there are yeah. You can still take that moment. It's it's nice sometimes to just feel bad and self pity yourself. It it it's okay. I think to not pretend that you have to be um, perfect all the time or accepting of things and find the good in everything. It's okay once in a while to. Be like, this sucks, and it seems like it's always happening. I would say
0: it's um, necessary, sure, especially in your mid twenties.
1: Especially that, yeah. And I say, and I'm saying, yeah, it can happen now. Um, and this song really does that. What's great about this song? It's funny. Um, on On the album, it's got a bit of an upbeat uh, chorus to it, even though it is sort of a, a the, the downtrodden uh, lyrics. In concert, is as. They, they speed it up and they play it a lot faster. And this is one of those songs that in the audience, even though the lyrics, the chorus is, why does it always rain on me? When that chorus kicks in and the lyrics are about why does everything suck, the, the crowd is just pogoing. They're bouncing up and down, enjoying this song. Uh, it's It's such a weird experience to be so joyful, dancing and bouncing and singing along to a song that's about why is nothing going right for me?
0: Now do you yeah. think it's because they are, they're longtime fans of the band or do you think it's because this is the one that was on the radio?
1: I think it's a combination of that. It's the one people knew but also just the way it's played on the album um it still has, you know, a, a bit of a of an upbeat there in the chorus, but when they play it live it's just it's just a different sound. It, it's more of a rocker. Do you think this is
0: the song most people know when they think of Travis? Oh, for sure. It is. Yeah. Even later albums
1: and all of that. Yeah, I mean, I think the song Sing oh, may be I, more
0: popular. I think I remember that song. Yeah. So maybe I did know a Travis I, especially song. Especially
1: here in the States, I think it's more popular. Okay. And it was in an episode of The Office, the song Sing.
0: Yes, that might that also might be where I know it from. It's yeah. off the next album after this album?
1: Correct, okay. third album. Which we will
0: not be doing tonight. No.
1: Because we still later. have to
0: talk about at least three more tracks.
1: Four Timmy four. Four
0: Timmy Four. <laughs> uh track eight.
1: All right, let let's let me kind of take over for track eight because this is the crux of why this album means so much to me. Not only is it just really, really good, um, just the melodies on it, the singing on it, I absolutely love it. Like a lot of things in pop culture and, and in our lives that we've talked about. Things connect with us because of when they hit, because of where we are, because of what we're doing, because of who we're with. And I got into Travis and I was going through relationships and I went and I I made a road trip movie over a course of a couple months. And I was hanging out with you, Tim, and we were having the time of our lives. And I met a girl and I got to know her in Boston and we would hang out and I would play her this album and I would play her the other Travis album their debut and she loved the band she fell in love with the band and we would sing these songs together and we would play this while we were hanging out um and so this became our our relationship soundtrack kind of this whole album um this album Travis as a whole because um there's a song off their first album called the line is fine that I put on one of the mixtapes and she got to know and I knew. And when we got drunk together, that's the song we would sing because it's such you just belted out. It's such a fun song to sing drunk Um, so that that Travis as a whole, but this album, especially. Um, And this, I think, falls into the year 2000. um, So forgive me for doing that. But we we had to like we started dating. We were hanging out a lot and I knew that she was going to be moving away and I found that out like in the first week or so that we started dating, uh, that she would be moving away the following summer. And I was like, I don't give a I don't care. This this woman's great. I'm going to hang out with her. She's a lot of fun. Um, And we had to we had to break up because we finally got to the point where she was moving away. And we had a long conversation um, in our apartment. And Our being you and I, not you and her. You and me. Yeah, you and me. Our our, Tim and Bob's apartment. Just so wanna be part of the story. Um, and as you know, as I'm sure you know, I if I have the opportunity, I'm playing music in the background. And I had a disc changer and I had uh, a couple discs going as we were having this conversation about what our relationship should be like, what we should do, all this stuff. And we just got to the point where we decided, let's take a break. She wasn't gonna be leaving for another couple months, and I was like, why don't we like stop the intimate sexual hanging out boyfriend-girlfriend relationship? give ourselves a break and then try and be friends before you move away. And so we agreed on that after a long emotional talk and we, we kind of stopped talking and we were in silence and I don't know what song had played before. We weren't really paying attention to it, but that song had ended the disc changed. And as we're sitting there in silence, realizing that we're going to break up song eight off the man who came on and it is called love. And this song, is literally about not expecting to fall in love and having to end the relationship because there's distances coming between us you're going to have to be moving away and that we sat there and that song came on and we just looked at each other because we already knew what the song was so as soon as it started we were like holy shit!" and we just both started crying she more than me because i'm just you know easy to love um But like the lyric distance tells you the distance must come between us. Um, And then really the, the refrain that that always gets me. It's just a chance we took having never, ever planned to fall in love. That's how the song ends, repeats that. Just the chance we took having never, ever planned to fall in love. And we literally had that conversation. Stopped talking. This song came on. We didn't say another word. We would smile, we would cry, but we listened to this whole song and we were just like, how impossible is it that that song that we already liked came on at the precise moment that we were living through that song? And it was just, it, it fused Travis into my life forever.
0: Yeah, I mean, you got your cinematic, your television, your, 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 your mixtape, you got all of your moments and... A real emotion, which I think is normally what's missing from these scenarios, an actual connection. No, that, that Jesus. Boy, that makes my yeah. notes look a little silly.
1: <laughs> um, and and in re-listening to it in preparation for this, I mean, the song just still gives me shivers. I really love the song.
0: I would probably like this song if I had liked the album so far.
1: <laughs> okay.
0: Um, or if I was sitting on a bed bawling with, with someone I cared about. No, I, I just, <laughs> I, I think having just come off the last track, you know, I, 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 and this is actually in my notes. I wish I had heard this song sooner because, and now with how you described it too, I, I think this might have altered my take on the album, on, on this album, or at least prepared me for what to expect. Knowing that story now makes me almost want to buy the album because that's very sweet. You should buy the album. No, it's just your story. I don't think I need to. Um, I mean, we're going to keep going because we do have three more tracks. But that that kind of explains everything that this podcast is about. We're done, listeners. We figured it out <laughs> how pop culture works. No, but that is um, that is all the tricks and all the expectations and all the sincerity of pop culture all on your bed that night or day, whatever time it was. I wasn't watching from the hallway. <laughs>
1: No, you weren't home. We wouldn't have had that conversation if you were home.
0: Probably wouldn't have played this album because I never heard it. <laughs> um what about the next track? Track nine. The next track she's is, so strange. Uh,
1: yeah, she's so strange, track nine. It's kind of I, I always feel like it's just kind of a throwaway track. Um it's nice. Um, but you know, it's I guess it's about a strange woman who does quirky things. Um it's cute and all, but it's it's that's all I've ever really gotten out of it. I like it. It's fine, but yeah.
0: Yeah, I left out loud when it started. Who was that? That's, wore a black mustache, petty cash, whatever that rhyme is. Nope. This is very much a throwaway. You could take this off. Yeah. Or you could lead it off with it. I guess this could be your first album. I, I mean, first track. I think you need it because for the structure of the album to work, I don't like this song, if that's not clear. But
1: (laughs) No, that's fine. I I think it's like one of those things. It's just this playful thing. It might literally be about a specific person and just certain things they've done and he remembers about them just set to music. But who's that for when you put that on the album?
0: Not on an outtakes, not on the bootleg. To make
1: it a 10-track album instead of nine. Well,
0: they did a couple things to stretch the length, so maybe they didn't need to. This one, the reason I guess it has to be here is it's got a little play at the end. As the song ends, they open up a door and you hear a chainsaw.
1: <laughs> no, you hear an engine, a car. That's engine It's a car engine. On.
0: Yeah. Do you like it when that happens? When when all of a sudden it's like, and we're supposed to believe that? Wait, they're they're filming in a room that he can walk out to the garage in.
1: I don't mind it. Uh, it adds a little flair to to what's going on. It's
0: Staged. On. You can't not think that it's staged.
1: It's totally staged. I know it's staged. I mean. Um, just cause we've mentioned Oasis a couple of times. I'm picturing, um, on what's the story morning glory when they go from one song, uh, it's actually, I think it's swamp song track. Um, uh, but then suddenly you hear waves start crashing. I don't believe they're suddenly at the ocean, Tim. It's just an effect.
0: Does that, that goes into, um, that's the champagne yeah, supernova. Well, that's part of the song though.
1: Well, I think I think this is part of the song. I think No, because it's the end of one capture... song and the
0: start of another. It doesn't belong to either. Right, song. But I
1: think it's the start I think it's mostly the start of the next song if, because you hear at the end of that next song track 10, which is called Slideshow, the car comes to a stop and the engine cuts off and then the song ends with the door closing. So it's, it's just to build a, a moment, a vibe, a feeling.
0: And I think it's just distracting. The Champagne Supernova, that example. I mean, they don't know what a supernova sounds like. I guess it's an explosion. <laughs> so they do something else. But I mean, that makes sense. That's an epic song. That is the song that when you're drunk, stumbling, you fall down on the beach, you sit there and you watch the waves crashing, trying to sober up. And that song takes you through all the moods, all the mindsets and all the stomach aches of that you know, existential, manufactured, whatever. It's that that makes sense. This, I I feel like it's supposed to make us think they're in a little shack somewhere that they're 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 living in this house, <laughs> and they're not. They're in a studio and stuff like that. They're in a studio bugs me but because that, it doesn't. That is
1: the point of the song. I think you're you're actually making the point that they're trying a, of to make.
0: She's so strange. The mustache petty no, cash no, no, song. No,
1: slideshow. Oh, track ten, slideshow. I, yeah, I really feel like because she's so strange is its own thing and it starts its own way but when it ends its transition does take you into slideshow with the car starting you know you hear someone get into a car and then the engine starts and then the engine starts to pick up a little as the slow acoustics of slideshow start Um, that melody starts and then the song takes over and the song is about it's about memories it's about moments it's about this slideshow, the the chorus is a slideshow through your mind. It's these pictures, it's these moments, it's these um, special memories that you have, whether you shared it with other people or whether they're just your own. Um, and it's not about, and the, he um, name drops popular songs at the time. It's not about Devil's Haircut. It's not about the design for life. It's not about Wonderwall. I did hear that. There's no Wonderwall to climb. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's about living life. It's about the moments it's not about experiencing other people's hits and songs. It's about going out there and doing your own thing. Yeah, this is a great song. That's beautiful. I, I, the I, I like this song. And, and, then... and I'm glad that they played it inside a small car. <laughs> well, that's,
0: <laughs> that's the thing. I can't trust his lyrics. I think that's probably <laughs> the fumes. No, but that's, that's what bothers me is I'm. it's a great song. Kind of sounds like an acoustic version of Walk on Water by Eddie Money, but it's a great song. I like this song, but I'm distracted because at the start of it, you know, I'm trying to figure out, are they in a cabin? Is he a woodsmith? What's going on? <laughs> and then, you know, because I looked at my, I was playing it on my phone because I, you know, got a little music app. I'm looking at it and I'm enjoying the song and the song ends. And I notice that after the song ends, track 10, there are still seven minutes left yeah. And I suddenly reenact track two, The Fear, because I'm afraid that this means a secret track. That's correct. A bonus track. But on a CD, a secret track never makes sense. How so? Because you can see that there's another track there? Yeah, because that's, again, that's manipulated. You know, i it, it, it's, it's a trick. It's forced. I get a secret track on a record or even a cassette... Because you know that's the um, that's the necessity of the other side. You know they have to be the same length. You know in 1999 people were recording for the compact disc. You know records weren't popular. I don't even know if this had a cassette. So so this, this that's just indulgent, and it's a waste of my time because now I'm waiting for the end to hear what it's going to be. I sat through it and and it's not. <laughs> earth shattering it's not some cool secret track they come back with like an orchestra sounding tune-up the album ended four minutes before this and it did and now i have to go through this so the song i was enjoying is lost in between these two weird overproduced staged moments that i don't know what the purpose of of this is and the silence that precedes it why is that there
1: well, I mean, this isn't the only CD that's ever had a hidden track. I don't There's, enjoy
0: it on most, but we're talking about this one.
1: Yeah, I remember the Stone Rose's second album had 99 tracks on it. And like a bunch of them were just three seconds of, of no no sound. So why? Why do that? I mean, let's focus on this album. Let's focus on this album. The reason they did it on this album is because, contrary to what you were saying about the song, this is a great song. This, this, this is this a, part
0: after the silence?
1: Yes. Six this minutes and
0: fifty-three seconds into the track, this track?
1: Yes. This new track, which is called Blue Flashing Light. Oh, it was not listed as such on my playlist. It's not listed on the track. It's it's just information you find out after the fact. Oh, it's an in-joke. Um it is a great song. It is a dark song. It is a song about abuse. It is a song about people not doing anything when they see abuse. Um, it's powerful. I think you need to go back and listen to it again because it's really, really a powerful song.
0: But I got to sit through nothing to get to it because it's in the middle of this track with all this, this silent stuff. It's so distracting. And and the subject matter alone doesn't make something a great song. You're saying you like the song, so that's good. If
1: this song, here's here's why it's a bonus track though. This is the song that they had. This is the song that they wanted to share. But it does not fit at all lyrically or even musically. It's a little different sounding uh, uh, musically. It doesn't fit with the rest of the album. The Man Who Has an Album does end with Slideshow. But they put it on the album. They did. So it's on the album. And it will always be there. And and, and Travis fans love this song. Travis fans uh, know how great this song so is. So
0: you love the song and you know how great this song is. <laughs> That's right that's right i just i because what you're saying is it doesn't belong on the album it can be a great song but it doesn't fit so it's weird that it already doesn't fit they could have put it on something else and then to add to it this lengthy period of no sound on the track it's just indulgent why is why aim a spotlight on it as being, look at this, it's out of place, is basically what they're saying, which creates this anticipation that it's going to be something else. And that, it backfired yep. on me because no, I couldn't see, listen I think to so. it.
1: I, I really like that because it is, you know, look at this, it's out of place. The song is about a problem. The song is about, um, it's about abuse. It's about not reporting it. It's about staying out of it should letting that things track so I know
0: to look for it all I heard was oh when is it over because i just waited through silence and i'm nervous he's going to have to go back to his car
1: well that's only because you didn't like the the songs that came before it if you were a, if you had enjoyed the songs that came before it then you'd be like oh there's something more I'm i enjoyed the
0: start of this track <laughs> The song okay. that led into this slideshow, I enjoyed. And now back, you know, if I'm going to burn a CD of this, which I'm not, but if I was, I can't because when the song I like ends, there's still all the space that goes into this track. It, it's not allowed to stand on its own.
1: I uh, to, to get around that, I, I usually share the, the live version of slideshow that I have on a B-side. Well, I'm glad you have that.
0: I don't think it was on Google Music. Now YouTube Plus or whatever it's called, because y- you're a fan, you're gonna love all the little in- in- intricate additions and bits and pieces, and that's great. But you're even saying it doesn't belong. In- I think you're saying, maybe I'm twisting it. It doesn't I'm belong in this album.
1: It belongs. I'm saying, I'm saying the song itself doesn't fit with the the ten songs that came before. So it. They hide it. So they 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 wanted to keep it there, but they wanted you to know that this is a separate. Presentation. Here's another song that we have for you. We it know how songs from- work. We
0: just sat through 10 of them, each evenly divided, with the exception of the one that has the lawnmower at the start of it. You know, there's, a, there's an Aerosmith album, uh, you know the band Aerosmith, called called Pump. <laughs> with the picture of a truck humping another truck. It's called Pump. <laughs> so, you know, pump is an album that's about sex. You know it's about sex. How do I know that? The first song is called Young Lust. It's just about love and elevators on it. All these other songs. It's called Pump. And at the end of what would be side one, so halfway through the CD itself, there's a track called Janie's Got-A-Gun, which is not about sex. It's not about two trucks doing it. It's not about a gas pump. It's, 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 it's about abuse it's about a girl who was abused by her father and she took matters in her own hand with a gun. And, and, you know, say what you will about the song. It's there. It's part of the album. It's blatantly there. And it's a good song. And I'm not going to talk too much about Aerosmith, but I like that song. But the, it's there. And it's their socially conscious song, and it's a different sound, but they're okay to put it up front and say, here it is, so you can listen to it. You also have the ability to work around it if you don't want to hear it, because you you, you want to hear the rest of Pump and what it's all about. But it's there as a song. This, it's you're not told it's here, and it's tacked on for those of us who don't have this bootleg that you have. You know, it's tacked on to that. So we're kind of tricked and trapped into hearing it. And it's just, it seems it makes to me, it was pretentious. So I didn't even really listen to what it was about. I guess I heard some of the words, but I just don't get that. I mean, that. I guess
1: if you come at, at it, that, that any hidden track is a pretentious uh, um, move, then that's what you're going to think. Well, I guess I am lessen- coming at
0: that way. Cause it's also a drastically different sounding song. Right. And tone and everything that preceded it. It's also the final feeling and mood. Maybe this is why you having you just told me what it's about. I don't like it. This is your exiting mood. This is my exiting mood from the album. This is what I'm leaving with. If if you sit through the six minutes of silence. Well, yeah. Otherwise, I, mean, I either enjoyed the song I like, but I can't put it on my mix disc. <laughs> or I'm left <laughs> hanging. Yes, I can make that choice, but they made a choice to do this. And if I'm already as I was struggling with ideas and versions of the band that maybe wasn't them, like they're just the Scottish Spin Doctors. If I'm already working through that, yeah, I'm going to I'm going to grasp any technical choice, anything that's not musical base, a pause, a length, cuz it's not a concept album. I'm I'm going to interpret that as being pretentious. And so I stumble and struggle with that. Did you used to listen all the way through when you first got into this album? Would you always let the track play through and get to that?
1: Um, no, I would not always get to it. Um, I would listen to the album. Um, if I got the slideshow and I was realized, oh, there's all that silence, I'd probably go and skip ahead to the next uh, disc. I'd switch it. Um, So, no, I wouldn't always listen to it, but then there would be times where I would let it play through and I'd forget that there was silence. I was into whatever I was doing or I was half asleep if I was listening to it and then suddenly it would start playing and I would listen to it again then. Um, So I yeah, I would I would hear it, but I wouldn't overhear it Um, and I never felt i never heard it and, and I never feel like it's part of this album. It is this outlier. It's this extra bonus track, um, and they could. You're right. They could have made a choice to put it on a B side. They could have released it as its own single, which they did between albums. They had another song that wasn't on any album. They just released it as a single. That's um, not sure, this song could, though. That's not this song. They could have done. Yeah, it's not that, a but spin doctor song
0: w- unless it's for a cover. whatever
1: reason. Maybe because it was all recorded in this in this one session with the lawnmower um, was driving wanted, through. They wanted to keep it. They wanted to keep it on the album, but they knew that it wasn't right for the main crux of the album, and so this is what they did. You can think it's pretentious or not. You got to listen to the song and see if it's a good song. You know, I, I would suggest you go back to it. And yeah, it's a downer song. It's not a feel good song, um, but it's a well crafted song. It's a powerful song. I
0: um, especially now that we've talked about it coming after it i don't think i could give this album a fair shake (laughs) because i feel like it had too much writing on it like i went in with too much because i thought it was your favorite album but because it means so much to you you know i'm going to be looking for that and like the cover and i feel like the title both kind of promise a different album you know the man who has a real sort of Bob Dylan like feel to it, you know, sort of a pseudo search for meaning or something. And then that cover is actually pretty iconic. I did recognize that the, them standing on the um like the desolate beach, you know. It has it. It, it just the, the the album has a look and title of something that at twenty four I think I would have gone to, you know, like a Tobin Sprout album or that uh, Freddie Johnston album. I never really clicked with. It looks like and has the title of something that I feel like, yes, this would speak to me at 24. So it's odd to me that I never sought it out, and now I can't not see it as anything but I think this is Bob's favorite album. So it was hard to sit through, plus I'm then gonna go in wanting to combat that, I guess. (laughs) Which is
1: unfair. Combat it? Or, or maybe you're just trying to analyze it. Like, why is this Bob's that's favorite That's probably part of it. That's
0: probably yeah. the more humane way. Well, just, you know, because I know. Why on earth is this Bob's favorite That's album. exactly how I would probably <laughs> phrase it in, in my paper. But in a way, I'm, yeah, I'm approaching it as this should be the, the key to unlocking something. And I, I don't think I got that.
1: Yeah. Well, and you shouldn't because it wasn't necessarily about what the songs are saying. It was more about how the songs soundtracked a very important time in my life. And as a bonus, I absolutely love the songs. You know, there are there are other albums from that era that I also really love, and they're very um, meaningful to me, but not necessarily because of the quality of the songs and what the songs are saying, but because what was going on in my life, like at that time. Um, and that, that is true throughout periods of my life. There are certain albums that just are more important to me than other albums. Um, and again, not necessarily because that, that set of songs, those lyrics unlock the, the key to who Robert is to who Bob is, um, but it's like if you could also see what i was doing at those times who i was with the fun i was having the the heartbreak i was having you know the child that was born the the job that i got you know whatever was happening at the time um music for me because i'm constantly playing it because i'm constantly seeking it um they connect to those those emotions and those times so when i say i really love this album it's not because he's speaking to me, but because that's the album <clears throat> I was listening to when I moved to California, or something like that.
0: So it's but your... at the same
1: time, those songs are awesome. That's why I was listening to it. You know, so it's it's I guess it's a combination. But it's not about answering the mystery of me, but it's about the soundtrack of my life. Like literally, <laughs> literally that, and and I mean love off of this album was literally that and uh so many other songs just because i listen to music as often as possible there's going to be those moments that will just stick with me where this song perfectly fits this moment that i'm living and uh travis has done that numerous times
0: has ugly kid joe done that
1: not, not once. We are Sorry, both old
0: once. men dying here. We're both coughing. <laughs> um, that's, that's the show because neither of us can keep going. We have dry mouth. <laughs> but um, I'm going to
1: have a drink. I've been trying to avoid it because nobody likes to hear people drink.
0: No, they don't. And they may not even like hearing this show. But if they do, and if they want to hear it again this episode, or, you know, maybe episodes like it, they can check out 20th Century Pop on the Nada Holograms webpage of nahpods.com. Um, That's where the most recent episode is always up for streaming, as well as links to all of our past, I think it's 126 episodes plus uh, bonus episodes. So, you know, check it out there. There's always show notes that go into a little more detail about the topics we're talking about. And there are ways to subscribe to the show there on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or however it is. You listen to other shows that don't or maybe do uh, discuss more Ugly Kid Joe than we did. Um, you can also follow me Oh, well, That was a weird segue <laughs> The follow me part Ugly <laughs> okay, Kid Joe can follow me I think they are Actually I think Ugly Kid Joe is following me on Twitter At Subcultist But not on Instagram At Subcultist That I believe is Primitive Radio Gods
1: <laughs> hey, You can follow me too on Twitter At um, RH Canning I don't think I have any bands following me At um, RH Canning It would be nice if that could change Um, (laughs) Hey, Tim, Mm -hmm. uh, do you you remember this is if you enjoyed this uh, discussion about Travis and you'd like to learn more? um, Tim, do you remember a couple weeks ago I finished my Oasis track countdown? I do. Wasn't it just a week ago? It might have been just a week ago that that completed. Well, I am currently in the process of ranking all the Travis tracks and we'll be counting those down as well. So if you want to See where these songs rank from The Man Who, and I can tell you they're probably all in the top 20. Um, so I've just ruined it. Now you have no reason to follow me. But if you want to, at RH Canning at Twitter.
0: But is 19 the last laugh of the laughter laughing, or is 18 the last laugh of the laughter laughing? Find out on Bob's Twitter at Last Laugh of Laughter 14.
1: <laughs> uh, that was good to talk about your album, right? I I love that album. I can't wait to talk about your album from 1999.
0: (laughs) Well, I'm trying to think if there was a compilation that year (laughs) for the Thompson Twins, because that would probably be it. I'm not good at reaching for bands that aren't already pre-typed on my iPad here. That's what I'm displaying. That can be tough. That's why we got two Bare Naked Lady references in the episode, when there should have only really been... At most <laughs> uh, one. None. Or None. Okay. None is a good number when referencing. None's a good number. It's been two weeks. Oh. Oh. God. Oh, yeah, that's not
1: good. Come on. We both liked that song when it first. You've said this was... on another episode. I don't yeah. like
0: that song, and I don't think I liked that song. I like the X Files, which are mentioned in the song, which was the <laughs> argument you used. To Say you're the biggest bare naked ladies fan since uh my horny <laughs> uncle, but I will tell you this no, that song is awful, and now it's in my head. Now it's in my head. Now it's in my head. But we had a rug, we had a rug in the living room, we did, with Alston, which we you did. called Brighton.
1: Brighton. I was looking.
0: I, it was Austin. We looked at Austin. It Alston. was
1: Austin, but yeah. but it was Austin, Brighton.
0: But on or, our address, like Brighton, the letters Alston. we got, the bills we got, the the, the shipping and
1: You said Austin.
0: It had to. That's that's the address I was giving I out, and we were getting mail. We paid our bills somehow. I don't remember actually paying the bills. Uh, we did. You know what
1: I enjoyed, Tim? One of my favorite memories is how we ordered pizza our first night there, and it took them forever to find the apartment. So we ordered pizza two more nights in a row just to make sure that they knew where we lived. Yeah, those
0: are good memories and bad pizza.
1: Yeah, it wasn't great pizza. No,
0: it's not that they couldn't find us. Maybe we weren't in Alston. Now I'm doubting what I just said.
1: It was a very odd connection of roads, much like a lot of Boston can be. But, but
0: we couldn't have been the only apart only people living there to have ever ordered pizza. That's Apparently the part I'm like,
1: we were I from that place. It. I don't.
0: Well, maybe. Maybe it caught on. Maybe now it's like, boy, you really opened up a, a line for business. <laughs> we deliver there now like 27 the apar- the years like, later. Oh,
1: look, pizza can find us now. Yeah.
0: That might have been the ad for Pizza Ring. It sounds, when I think of Pizza Ring now, I think of like, ah, oh, I got to get some ointment. But back then I really enjoyed it. And it always came with that little, uh, <laughs> little table for your action figures to sit
1: at. <laughs> it was like that.
0: I, was, I don't know what it did.
1: Pizza ring because we got pizza ring because it was the double decker. We felt we were getting a deal. Well, you, yeah, it was affordable.
0: Yeah, yeah. And, I don't and think it, it, would it tasted up.
1: like it was affordable.
0: Yes, I, I think it, yes, it tasted affordable, malleable, like oak tag, and I don't <laughs> think I would get it
1: ever again. Is it still a thing? You're around that area. Is Pizza Ring I'm still not a around thing? that area. I live in Salem. No, no, but is I mean. Is pizza still a thing? Yes, in, we had
0: pizza the other night.
1: I, I guess I mean you're in Massachusetts. You yeah, must, th- I'm not near Alston, though. Do you have a sense? But but Pizza Ring was Boston. It was north of Boston. Pizza Ring was the area. It wasn't just a, a, a one village that it was in.
0: No, I have no idea if Pizza Ring is still around. no Okay, None. that's. No concept. That's. I don't think I have to know everything. I was just curious. It's a place in Alston. Hey, um, is, the, uh, is the one potato chew at the Burbank
1: Mall, is that still there? Which one? The one potato two? No, it's not there anymore. Wow, you're really good.